welcome to ODA Podcast, Our Dramatic Assets. My name is Ryan McGregor. And my name is Rebecca Ann Bloom. Thanks so much, listeners. You guys are so loyal, and we see you all across Ontario and the world. Together, you make Season 2 of ODA a success. Yes, this episode, we're going to talk about the treatment of entertainers, the entertainment industry as a whole, and what music, movies, TV had an impact on us. How are you, Rebecca? I am great. How are you? I'm really good. So I wanted to talk to you about the Free Britney movement. Yes. Are you familiar with this? The documentary. Okay, give me what you feel first, right off the bat. So for anyone that hasn't seen it, it, the documentary is Framing Britney Spears. This is an artist that came to global prominence in the late 1990s. And really, her career was going through this period of obsession of tabloid culture and gossip that was just caught up in it. And for me, as a young teen kid, I didn't really question it. I probably thought it was normal at the time. I know my mom didn't like me to listen to Britney. It was a little bit too mature for my young ears. (laughs) Right. As I was getting older and discovering music on my own and whatnot, Britney became more impactful in my life. And now as an adult understanding the deep tentacles and just the legalities within this whole issue is it boggles my mind, clearly, as I stumble over my words. <laughs> well, it is true. It's fair to say we really don't know somebody's life looking in from the outside. Absolutely. I feel like she just wanted to be a singer. I went to the Britney Spears, it's called The Zone Experience, and it, this was in LA. And it was this really fun interactive experience where you got to see memorabilia and walk onto the sets of some of her music videos. It's absolutely incredible. There was a part where you were able to leave her a note, so I left her a note. She probably never saw the note, but I wrote that she was an icon and an inspiration for a generation. So I think that's a huge takeaway from her legacy. For sure. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not sure if people actually understand how prolific she was. I mean, she started in the beginning as a member of the Mickey Mouse Club. I was about to say Mickey Mouse House, but Mickey Mouse Club with like Justin Timberlake and Christina Aguilera. Like they were oh yeah, child actors and child stars. They're, they were the equivalent of the 90s, like Demi Lovato. <laughs> and so she managed to get through her teenagehood and into a more adult career. Yeah. At the time, what we saw was pretty unscathed, I thought, anyway. But, you know, lo and behold, as things are becoming more and more clear, we just see that it was it's kind of a cock up, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I think she just wanted to be a singer and anyone that wants to be an actor, a dancer or wants to be an entertainer. That's all they want. For a lot of people, I think this is a job. And I think there is this idea you need to be a role model. And you mentioned age appropriate music. What do you think? of that idea of being a role model. I think that's a lot of pressure to put on to someone, especially if their goal, like you said, was to just be an entertainer of some form, especially when you're growing up in that spotlight. You don't necessarily think of, oh, how am I going to represent women and girls and young people in my career? And so I think it's it's an unfair burden to put on to someone. And as 
you and I are trying to go into the industry as well. It's definitely something I think about, like, how do my actions end up reflecting against me or against anyone that I know in my personal circles? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't think we're going to get to the fame, the level of fame as Brittany has, but I mean, we don't want anything to come up and bite us in the butt necessarily either. And I, I don't know if she was fully aware about what was going to happen in her life. Definitely not. Uh, this also reminds me of a point too, and I believe it was Kevin Hart that recently talked about it in his standup. And you know, he's funny, like how he, his take on things. And basically he had made a joke about the fact that it used to be like being a celebrity was like the best thing and everybody wanted to be a celebrity. And now people don't want to be a celebrity because celebrities get called out for everything and for every single little thing that they do or say they're being criticized for. And I think that's, that's a reflection on cancel culture, which is not exactly the same thing when talking about the experiences of, I think how female pop stars were portrayed in the media that I think that was more like a misogynistic sort of thing behind that. But I, I thought that was interesting and I, I feel the same pressure. I mean, I think being a role model is not something people in the public eye sign up for. And I also believe if you want to be sexually liberated in your music and your image, then go for it. Absolutely. Do you remember when, so Britney's kind of first album, she was sitting looking cute in her little schoolgirl outfit against the pink background. And that was the one album I was allowed to have from her. Um, my mom thought that, like, yeah, thought it was age appropriate. And then, like, immediately after, I mean, maybe not immediately, within a couple of years when her fame started taking off, she had, like, the more scandalous, scantily clad items, album covers and whatnot, performances. Do you remember, like, this scandal? Like, it rocked the world. And I don't know why. Yeah, there was a lot of focus, I think, on even things like personal questions being asked. And this was something I saw in the documentary was, are you a virgin, a reporter asking that, which is totally inappropriate and not something I think that you would expect a reporter to ask nowadays. And men weren't always held to the same standard of morality either and weren't asked the same awkward questions by reporters. I don't know. For her, I think the image of this all-American purity brand in the public eye but that's not really real Mm -hmm. i don't i don't know when society got this idea i mean i'm sure it's it it, was not a new phenomenon like it's been around for decades maybe even centuries but this idea that we have the right to control someone's self-image and the right to control their quote-unquote morality yes i think that's absolutely ridiculous and yeah it's just an unfair burden to put on someone who is just expressing themselves artistically and then for interviewers and people to go do you think that's appropriate are you like sexually promiscuous do you do this have you done that you're not focusing on who she is as an artist, you're not focusing on her music or what she has to say. You're just putting these assumptions on her based on these inappropriate actions as you as you deem fit. Yeah. And just as a side note, you can have whatever opinion you want about a particular artist. I think personally, you're 17, 18 years old and you've sold 11 million albums. And then I hear reporters saying that she's not talented and can't sing. I'm like, I don't want to hear it, to be honest. That's the tea. That is the tea. (laughs) 
how dare you <laughs> not you <laughs> not you like you you metaphorically the reporters putting this label on her yeah oh you're not talented hello she's making more than you she has a career stop it yeah i think there is an assumption that entertainers quote-unquote signed up for this what do you think of that from your perspective as an emerging creative artist do you have thick skin do you have to have thick skin oh wow i don't have thick skin (laughs) it is thickening i suppose Okay, that's honest. I, I'll i go off on a little an- anecdote, whole story. But I, I'm still into YouTube. Is YouTube still a thing? Absolutely. One of the YouTubers, the vloggers that I still watch from then, she recently released a vlog that talked about her miscarriage. Wow. I find her very amazing just because she made her career on YouTube. She's then gone on to Broadway. She's done tours. She's had TV show on Netflix. Like, she is a very hard worker and like she doesn't take no for an answer like she'd gone for it and of course because society is society the things that we decide to hold her to are her views on motherhood and womanhood and in her latest vlog she's openly sobbing because she doesn't want people to think that she didn't want the baby that she just had a she just miscarried and she's like, just because I had a terrible pregnancy and I was uncomfortable during the entirety of it doesn't mean I don't want to have another child. Yeah. Those are two separate things. And also who gives people the right to tear down someone who is already feeling rather low. And so I've gone off on this tangent about the lovely Colleen Ballinger. Um, <laughs> but my point is, shout out, shout out not spawned. Can a person sponsor us? No. <laughs> but I say this as a, a woman in the industry, why can we not recognize someone's talent and not conflate that with their gender and their views on womanhood and motherhood and don't make someone feel like absolute garbage over something like she was talking about how her comments are so mean if she doesn't want to post anything because she knows that the comments are just going to attack her character attack her as a person she didn't sign up for that she signed up to entertain just like you and i have signed up to entertain and to express ourselves in a public platform but we didn't sign up to get bullied exactly no And that's really sad. I think for a long time, especially with internet comments, people have been saying whatever they want behind a keyboard. We've called them keyboard warriors. And this has been happening on YouTube. It's happened on Instagram, anything, any any and all forums on the internet. And for some reason, for many years, it was sort of believed that if you said something online that was offensive or threatening, it would in some ways carry less meaning and it would be less personal than if you were to actually say it to someone in person. And the truth is, it is always has been just as hurtful. For sure. There are lots of pros to social media and to the internet. I mean, we are in ways more connected than we've ever been. And news travels faster in both good and bad ways as a result. But yeah, with the the positive, unfortunately, comes the negative. I don't know when people decided that they could just be rude. 
point blank rude on the internet. I'm not particularly here for it. I don't support that. The last year I've I have discovered due to this, you know, pandemic that there are so many savage people. Like I'll read comments about pandemic blank fill in the blank. I mean, there's been so many articles and it's very polarizing. People are either here for it or not here for it and the people that are not here for it are very angry and really rude show some respect to people we are all people yeah i think some people live to hate and some people that's just what they do i think unfortunately everybody has an opinion nowadays and everybody thinks they can say their opinion everybody thinks that they're right about their opinion and the truth is they're just opinions I guess my advice to everyone is don't give haters a platform to thrive because it's your life. Be in control of it. You know at the end of the day, this is you. This is your lived experience, not somebody else's to comment and criticize from afar. Absolutely. Wow, that that was profound. I wanted to talk about the industry as a whole, COVID and what's going on with the entertainment industry. Netflix, is that the best way forward for, say, things like distribution, even though maybe directors don't like it or they do? Are we seeing the collapse of cinema or can they recover? Cineplex stocks are way down. What's going on here? (laughs) I like that. That's how you stop. You're like, what's going on? And I'm like, well, Ryan, as an expert in the stock market, no. Did you invest in GameStop? I didn't. That's a good topic. What is going on here? I mean, the industry is kind of at a halt. It is, but it isn't. It's at a halt because filming is very few and far between and theaters are non-existent. Like you can't be in a theater safely. And so in terms of finding work or breaking through the industry as you and I would like to do, that's not really an option. Yeah. Unless you've already broken through and you are a series lead. Yes. Actors have suffered, I think, particularly because of this. Talent has suffered. Mm -hmm. And then on the flip side, there are more interesting experiences and opportunities that would not have happened had the pandemic not occurred. I mean, a very vague and very minuscule silver lining is the fact that I think casting directors have noticed and discovered that they don't need to have the in-person shoots and to to see people i mean ideally i guess we would like to go back to that just you can get a better feel for someone in person it's i'm assuming it's probably more cost effective to not have to book an entire day an entire room to see hundreds of people and to view hundreds of tapes yeah you mentioned covid in the industry and i think testing is testing for COVID is becoming a big thing on sets now. I have a friend, he's a nurse, uh, and he's starting to do that now. So they are starting to find some solutions. You also mentioned YouTube earlier, and I think that is what's changing everything. Just the fact that that was not possible years ago. Short film contests are becoming more interesting because more people are submitting because now you can just film something on your iPhone and the quality is quite good it's quite comparable to professional equipment it is exciting i think for emerging artists because you're not there's kind of a weight lifted off your shoulders because you're not bound necessarily to the gigs that your agent is going to provide you you're not 
like always on the hook, like stressed out about being available for auditions. Also, like as you were saying, we have the the equipment and the technology to be creative, almost endlessly creative, and it doesn't have to be expensive. Like I I wasn't able to do photography during our shutdown. And so I just told myself, hey, you're going to take pictures of yourself to practice. And so I set up like sheets in my bedroom as a backdrop and and just went out how to do a self-timer and do like rapid shooting on my camera. Nice. It's possible to do so many things. And we kind of have been forced into thinking outside of the box. And I think that's very cool. And I, I would love to see what happens as a result as we move, hopefully, out of pandemic mode and into redeveloping mode. I don't know when that's going to be. There's no timeline. Yeah. Well, you've mentioned before in your experience in, in theater, live performances and, and Broadway have, have taken a, a big hit, but you've also really segued into our next point, And that was very optimistic. So for an actor, uh, what can you do if you're willing to audition for your if you're waiting rather to audition for your next gig, how do you improve your skills and what should you be focused on during this downtime? Oh, wow. That's a big question. There are lots of opportunities. I think one thing I don't like about the acting industry is that you kind of have to figure it out. Like no one's, no one's here leading you. No, it's a lot of trial and error. It's a lot, a lot of let's try this course and see if I resonate with it. And if you haven't, well, shoot heck, you've shelled out hundreds of dollars. Hopefully you learned something. Maybe you didn't. There is something that I came across. I believe it was Armstrong acting school. And Nina Dobrev, I believe, she went to that. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're referring to when you say like courses? And are those things really helpful? Is that something that people thinking about acting that maybe don't have acting experience should do? Or is that not necessary? It depends. For myself, I have debated going into like one of those full intensive courses i haven't mainly due to money Mm -hmm. not necessarily due to the fact fact that i think i'm too good or whatever like not at all (laughs) i have done some intensives and some workshops and the perks of it is that when you get experience on camera being on camera is is weird it feels weird and so at least you are practicing and Hopefully you do feel comfortable. You do feel like you're in a safe space that if you do kind of mess it up or you're just trying to get your bearings, like that's okay. It's a, it's an area for you to play and to learn and to practice and experience. Also, workshops and intensives are great because your content sometimes can get seen by the top casting directors in the, the area. And like I met one of the, forest sisters and they they've done a lot of casting for cbc teen shows wow that was my first workshop and i was terribly nervous um i felt super out of place because at the time i didn't even have an agent and i kind of just went in with my my headshot in a in a weird it wasn't like properly printed or anything I was like shaking in my boots most of the time. Okay, yeah. And but I got some really good advice from her and basically she was like, "You are castable and I would like to see you in the future. Here are my tips essentially." She wasn't judging and I th- I think doing these workshops for anyone that is interested in performing and acting, they need to understand that you're not 
you're not there to be judged. Like people will judge you because that's human nature. If you feel like your teacher is judging you, maybe that's just not a good place for you to to exist. Like maybe you shouldn't put yourself in that situation again if you don't feel comfortable. Also, a lot of onus should be put on like the teacher, the professor, the instructor to like don't don't be that judgy, don't be rude. <laughs> and then it's also it also just it gives you a taste for what could be. Exactly. I agree. Yeah, you're there to learn and you're there to see if this is something you're actually going to want to do professionally. Mm-hmm. You're not there to have the only audition make or break. I'm a failure because, again, you haven't even started yet. So how could you have failed? By taking this step to be to do something you really want to do takes a lot of confidence. And I think the advice you gave is really good. That's really frames this as being really inclusive and I think that's how it should be. Absolutely how it should be. I think I, as someone that's gone through this a little bit over the last three years, I get into my head a lot. And I feel very intimidated when I'm in in the room with any casting director or, or in the room workshopping with a bunch of actors. Because like, I can, I feel like I can see their experience on them, like how much more prepared they are. I think what anyone in this industry needs to realize is that we're all here just trying to be artists, number one. And then number two, most of the time, everyone is really stupidly nice. And they're not, they're not there to compete against you. It just, that's just how society has framed it. Right. We're all just hustling and grinding for the same thing. And on on the flip side, on like the other side of the table are casting directors and producers that are actually really rooting for you to like, to be the one they want to cast you. They want to see a sparkly performance or they want to see a unique performance from you. And if that happens, amazing. If it doesn't happen, that's also okay. Your hopes and dreams should still exist but don't pin them on every audition which is i always do that and then i'm always like very disappointed (laughs) you're flawless so you don't you wouldn't have any problems with this and i wanted to mention your 90s inspired fashion that you've been doing on your own insta being your own creator uh in these times it's so fun it's so nostalgic uh what do you think about the 90s Oh my god, yes, you have entered into my wheelhouse. I love the 90s. Oh, I'm ready. I'm so, okay, so, so so yes, I decided to do these self-portraits when I had the time and someone suggested that I do some 90s looks and I rem- I somehow just my wardrobe is the 90s and so that worked out perfectly and I just took photos on like my chairs and like hanging out in the hallway and it kind of sent me on this path of rediscovery of the 90s and the early 2000s. I wish I had appreciated it more, which is silly because I'm now appreciating it now. But like, how old were we in the 90s and early 2000s? We were like six. Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. I always associate the 90s with 
themes of hope and change and cheesiness too and i might be biased in saying this but it is my favorite decade i support you yeah go for it tell me what what is your favorite do you have a favorite 90s song or maybe like a 90s band or group or artist that's a really good question. I was thinking about the 90s both prior to us talking today, and there's so much to go off of. There is, on one hand, you have the impact of artists like Tupac, and I'm like, wow, that really happened in the 90s. And then you have different styles of music, like you have grunge and you have rock. And I actually was thinking about one song that I really like, and it's called, um, and our listeners, please check it out. And check out the music video, too. It's You Get What You Give uh, by The New Radicals. Oh. Yeah, I really feel like it echoes kind of the feelings of a generation of kids in the 90s. And it also, in the video, it it takes place at the All-American Mall, which is, and that's a symbol of the 90s culture just right there, and concerts in a mall. Remember that? Mm Mm-hmm. I definitely gravitate more to the pop side of that era. Yeah. Do you remember Aqua? Yes, Barbie Girl. Barbie Girl was the quintessential hit, I think, especially as someone that loves Barbies. But they had a banger of an album in, I don't know, I don't know if it was 2000 or I think it was probably 2000 or like 1999. Anyone who is who is into the 90s, I think you should listen to Aqua. Also, in sync. speaking of Britney Spears, Justin Timberlake was part of the Mickey Mouse Club at the same time as Britney and then kind of was in sync. And did you, did you know that he was not the lead singer in the band? He was not the lead tenor. He was second tenor and he didn't do a lot of singing in, in the band. Like he was doing a lot of backup vocals. Thinking about it now and in sync's music, I can see JC singing. A, I can hear his voice in a lot of the, the songs as well as Justin Timberlake, but it it's certainly not all Justin Timberlake. Marky Mark. Mark Wahlberg, good vibrations. That mm, bop, mm, bop, also a song. Yes, Hanson, iconic. When I think nineties, two thousands, even eighties, I think bright, bright colors, crazy patterns, scrunchies. What do you think? What do you see in your mind's eye? Overalls and baggy pants. I also want to say this episode reminds me so much of the nostalgia episode that we did. And this is so fun. Oh, yeah. Did you have a windbreaker as a kid in the 90s? Yes. A very specific shade of green. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? Mine was definitely two-tone. A very, yeah, very somewhat almost teal green, but not quite. That's it. And then like another odd color of blue. And I, as a kid, hated it. I thought it was so dorky. And now as someone that shops in thrift shops often when they're open and can do them safely, be safe, everyone. I immediately I'm like, oh, look at this cute windbreak. (laughs) Yeah, a great question, but I wanted to kind of throw it back at you a bit because the 90s kind of came to, into the early 2000s and there was there was a shift, there was a bridge mm-hmm. between the two. So it's interesting how culture slightly changed. The evolution of sort of punk, pop, rock, and fashion started to bring the 2000s into focus. Yeah, so we would have been in elementary school for the most part of the early 2000s 
Yeah, that's right. Do you remember glow shoes? Like the shoes that you would step and they would glow? You used to be able to buy them in Walmart, I think. Yes. And I was never allowed to have one. And mom, if you're listening to this podcast, as you sometimes do, I want to say that I'm still better. I was not allowed them because she said that they would run out of battery and then I would be sad. And so she just was preemptively making me sad by giving me mature growing up shoes. Right. She's like, don't fall for those gimmicks. Wheelie. Heelys? Wheelie. I sound like such a boomer now. You remember those shoes with the wheels? (laughs) Yeah. They, I think they actually had two names. There was two different brands. I believe. Did you, were you allowed Heelys wheelies? That was one thing I actually didn't have. I wanted them so bad and my parents just did not see the point because I already had a pair of shoes and they were like, why do you need a pair of shoes with those in them? That's ridiculous. Like they just didn't get it. Such a parent remark. You already have a pair of shoes. (laughs) Like I know I have a pair of shoes, Dorothy. I want I want those pairs. And now I'm an adult, so if I want a pair of Heelys, I'm going to go out and buy a pair of Heelys. I was watching, speaking of the internet, a TikTok of like someone that's probably close to our age in a pair of Heelys, wheelies, whatever they're called. He <laughs> just, just tried to use them, but then couldn't navigate it and just fell flat on his face. And I'm like, honestly, that would have been me if I had a pair. Like, I don't know who I was fooling, thinking that I had the capabilities to drive this commercial vehicle that would have been on my feet. Oh, my God. The responsibility. I'm not here for it. Speaking of TikTok, I have a question for you because you're you're into TikTok, correct? I'm into TikTok, guilty, very much so. So there's this trend right now on TikTok that is calling us millennials out on a lot of things that we do and still use and wear, etc. What are your thoughts on the middle versus side part and the skinny versus not skinny jeans as and etc etc? I think it's absolutely hilarious that I'm being seen as the elder and I think different generations obviously arbitrarily make certain criteria to distinguish what was their generation and then this is how we behave generally and this is our generation and then it's really just a random date that sort of is picked and we argue over so but that being said i do see differences between millennials and gen z it was also i think they mentioned using the laughing emoji that is like an older person thing like apparently young people now don't do that is crazy to me what do they use then this is new to me how do you not the la- the hee hee with the like the tears? <laughs> the tears, yeah. How do you express it? Obviously, it's not cool. I wouldn't know any other way. Gosh, do you know when Facebook became a thing and our parents would be like, "WTF? Why the face? LOL, love you lots or whatever." We are now that. Yeah, I'm using a laughing emoji, and that's not a thing anymore. I don't understand how social media works. I think eventually we will all just look back and we're all gonna look back on the things that we did and the trends that we did what is the age bracket of people on tiktok i would like to know i see people as like our age i guess there's like a whole other generation below us that is using mobile devices 15 year olds is like 10 years younger than us they're a growing audience and i remember when i was 15 
who I would look up to. And it would always be somebody that was probably older. Usually for me, it was when I used to watch much music and YTV and the presenters, they'd be talking about, you know, pop culture and things. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. So now here I am older talking about pop culture. So I would, I would like to invite any listener that is younger to listen because I welcome that. Please let me know what I might be doing wrong. I mean, I did try the middle part the other day after my shower, and I will have you know my face was not made for it. So I will continue with my side part until I die. Probably the main demographic is probably somewhere between late teens, early 20s, I would guess, on takeoff. Speaking of that age bracket, the media is a very formative tool in our, our growth. Another thing that formed us as we were growing up, since we knew each other when we were in our teens or late teens, early 20s, mental health um, and how the media impacted that, but as well as other people around us impacted mental health. How are you? What does your mental health look like? That was not a good transition. (laughs) What do you see us being for that age bracket as potential people that could influence them? What are you hoping to impart upon them? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know if I've said this before. I think it's as simple as if you're stressed, walk away from it. I think it's don't check your phone the first time that you, the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning. And sometimes, you know, we're all guilty of it, but try not to do it because it's the first thing you look at when you wake up and it's the last thing you look up before you go to bed. And, you know, there's a lot of research that's being done now that says you're looking at screens too much and it's affecting your eyes and it's giving you headaches. And it's just your brain is always turned on and you can't relax. And you are really giving a lot of your time to social media and these companies, they have your data, be self-aware. And something I really do to help me with my anxiety as a creative person that does engage in all these things is I take baths. I love bath bombs. Light me some candles. And I I love creating that spa atmosphere. Absolutely. We both have iPhones. Again, not Spawn. (laughs) I would like the latest and greatest version. Thanks. (laughs) Brand deal. Anyone? No. Okay. And um, one uh, nifty thing about iPhone is every week it gives you a screen report. And I have to say that since lockdown has happened uh, or stay at home order um, that I have felt personally called out and attacked by my iPhone every single Sunday because it tells me (laughs) that my screen time has increased by blank percentage. Yeah. So then you have a clear indicator. It it tells you like, hi, um, since last week, your screen time has increased by 6%, making your average every day six hours and like 42 minutes and three seconds. I was just posting my carousel, posting my selfie. You're going to shame me. I use my phone for editing uh, like photo editing as well and i use that for my job both my small business job but also my uh i can pay the rent with this job job um <laughs> and so that definitely factors into it in the 2000s the 90s we were not attached to screens we didn't have that what do you think will what do you see the next kind of step from the cell phone because that's been kind of a new phenomenon that we've all had to like deal with no matter what age group. What do you think is next? Like like virtual reality? 
just me texting you with my brain and you replying. Well, definitely virtual reality is up and coming. And the more uh, time and money that they put into perfecting it, eventually it's going to be revolutionary. Eventually, we're going to actually be able to really create scenarios. And I think they're going to actually try to use it for a lot of good. A lot of people that are sicker in the hospital, they're going to be able to sort of escape with VR is how I understand it. Uh, I think eventually AI and robots are going to be smarter than humans. I think they said by the year 2050. And so not actually sure what the next big thing is, because I'll be honest, I don't see a lot of innovation really with the cell phone as of late. I feel like the tweaks and, you know, the the more modern updates have been rather uh, small and not groundbreaking. I personally hate phone calls and that's a very strong word when the phone starts ringing whether it's a phone call or like someone video chatting if it's not a booked appointment i I will not answer even if you're like my best friend like even if you called me i I would text you and be like hey sorry i missed the call (laughs) what's up i'm so bad at it and it like it it gives me anxiety like i don't like but then I guess, like in terms of technology, if they were to implant like chips or something into our brain and then we could just message our thoughts to each other, I would also not want that. I wouldn't you ju- wouldn't want you to just be like, boop, boop, hey, what's up? You up at like 12 a.m. into my brain? Like, no, thank you. Even I'm uncomfortable with it. And I grew up talking on the phone. Well, chums. Th- chums. I've never said that. <laughs> New phrase. Well, chums. Well, whippersnappers. Well, folks, uh, elders and kiddos, pals, I'm done. I can't think of any more synonyms. Um, <laughs> this has been great. Uh, thank you so much for listening. As always, you can find us on our social media, on our Instagram, the ODA podcast, uh, Ryan McGregor on Instagram and Becker as well for me. And um, we look forward to speaking to you all again. Cheers stay safe out there and as always stay hydrated and stay dramatic (laughs) yes stay dramatic have fun stay safe thanks rebecca goodbye